Have you ever looked back on an event in your life and thought to yourself, not sure what I was thinking on that one. I guarantee there are some men in this room that know exactly what I'm talking about. One of those events for me was back in 2006, right before Megan and I were about to get married. We were, of course, very, very excited, and we were going to celebrate with lots of family and friends. Well, of course, a couple of months before, some wonderful ladies decided to throw a wedding shower for Megan and me, I, I guess you could say. Uh, what I mean is Megan was invited to the wedding shower, and I was too at the end to help clean everything up and put everything away. Now, I was told, I was told that these wonderful ladies were going to shower us with gifts. But when I got there, I was a little confused. See, I noticed that most of the gifts were like Bed Bath & Beyond and kitchen items, like cooking, like, like pots and pans and knives and spoons. And don't misunderstand me. There's nothing wrong with that. I absolutely love those things. I think we needed them. Um, but it, wasn't, it just wasn't my expectation. You got to remember, I was young and ignorant, okay? I was young and ignorant. Some would say I'm still ignorant, but that's a sermon for another Sunday. So I get there and I'm thinking, ladies... Where are the matching sets of golf clubs? Where, are, where is the 65-inch TV? Where, where is the home gym equipment? You know what I'm talking about? Like, like ladies, what is happening? you got to remember, I don't know what my expectation was, what I was thinking, but I think in my naivety, I was taking uh, these gifts for granted. Until a couple of months after Megan and I were married. And then I began to taste and see that those kitchen items were really good. They were very, very good. You see, uh, I, I, I had, hadn't realized when I had married Megan that she had a particular set of culinary skills. And she was going to use those. And I thought to myself, oh, my goodness, now I understand. Those gifts really were for us. And again, I don't know what I was thinking. I was taking it for granted probably because I was incapable of understanding their significance and blessing. Now, we've been studying the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5 for the last couple of weeks. And here's the thing. Here's what I've been realizing as I've studied the fruit of the Spirit. I think we can make the same mistake by misunderstanding the significance and blessing of the fruit of the Spirit. You've got to remember, I think it was uh, Pastor uh, Steve Jones or Pastor Ryan last week. Pastor Ryan last week, he talked about uh, the fruit of the Spirit are like gifts as we cultivate a life with God. They're like gifts, and so we've got to be careful not to misunderstand their significance and blessing. The fruit of the Spirit, as you'll remember, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We're going to look at faithfulness this morning. And faithfulness is interesting in this list because without faithfulness, you get none of this. Now, I normally don't like to look at the meanings behind words in the New Testament because it's all Greek to me. But the actual word here in Galatians chapter 5, the actual Greek word is pistis, which literally means faith. But in our translations, it gets translated from faith to faithfulness. So the question is why? Well, I started to look into that, and one of the commentaries I read stated this, which I really liked. It said, the fruit of the Spirit is, in a sense, the products of faith, not faith itself. 
we're looking at the fruit, not the root. Faith itself is the root by which the fruit of the Spirit will manifest itself in the believer's life. Therefore, in this list, Paul must be thinking of the virtue of faithfulness. And again, I really liked what that commentary said, not because we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. We've got this kind of gardening theme. We've got the roots. We've got, you know, this, this fruit kind of a thing. But I think before we can talk about the virtue of faithfulness and the gift that it is, we have to first understand its roots. So before we can truly appreciate and exhibit faithfulness in our life, we must understand its roots. So that's where we're going to start this morning. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Ephesians chapter 2. And we are going to remember first the roots of our faithfulness. Remember the roots of faithfulness. Now while you're turning to your Ephesians, I do, I do want to say I do love cooking, just so you all know. All right, I do love cooking, just a disclaimer. You don't need to email me and say, hey, what's wrong with you, Joe? Because uh, that list is way too long. But I am trying to grow in, in my cooking skills, appreciating the cooking skills. My grill skills are improving. Pastor Brad would probably disagree quite a bit with that uh, because he's a professional griller. But I'm trying to learn. Okay, just wanted you all to know that. So everybody there say, mm-hmm. All right, very good. Let's remember the root of faithfulness. Let's start with Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. It says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient we too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. All right, let's stop here for just a moment. Let's remember that you and I are not good people. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Merry Christmas. I mean, the Bible is clear. Let's remember the Bible is clear. That as a result of the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3, every part of us, our will, our emotions, and our flesh have been corrupted by sin. In other words, sin affects every part of who we are, what we think, and what we do. Every parent and grandparent in this room understands this doctrine. You don't need to teach kids how to sin. Amen. I mean, you could fill a dumpster full of the broken items from our house when the landy children disobeyed. And we told them, hey, stop messing around or something's going to break. And they disobeyed. And they didn't listen and something broke. I forgive you, son. But the reality is, if, I, if I'm being honest, and I'm sure if you're being honest too, our inclination is to carry out the desires of our flesh too. And I was thinking, uh, you know, this past week, I wonder, I, I venture to say most of the issues that we are facing probably in our lives are a result of sin. Whether it's our sin or somebody else's sin. And this is why Paul, writing in the book of Romans, can accurately say, hey, there's no one righteous not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become worthless. There is no one who does what is good. Not even one. See, this is where we all start. 
This is the soil of our hearts, you could say. It's not good news. This is bad news as a matter of fact. And to say that we are in need of some serious help is an understatement. We need some good news. So let's keep reading. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 4. But God. It says, but God. Don't you love that? We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were children of wrath, but God. Who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And I would underline verse 8 here, church, for you are saved by grace through what? Faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. Hey, this is the good news. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus alone. And what is faith? Faith is the confidence that God is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do. Faith isn't based on your ability. It's based on God's reliability. And friends, God is reliable. In Deuteronomy, it says, know that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps his gracious covenant loyalty, not for one generation, not for two, not for 10, for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commands. God has a resume of faithfulness that is second to none. He is loyal to you. He is dependable. He is trustworthy. And his faithfulness is a love that won't quit. And this is the point. God's faithfulness and God's gift of grace through faith is what enables our faithfulness. God's faithfulness and his gift of grace through faith is what enables our faithfulness. We have to start here. We can't forget this. As we look to be faithful towards God and towards others. Now, this morning, turn to, turn to the person next to you. Those watching online, welcome. Good to be with you this morning. Those of you watching in the courts this morning, turn to the people next to you right now and say, you are messed up and you need Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 Some of you enjoyed that a little too much. Especially that first part. I, I say that all the time with our students because I want them to remember where they've come from. I want them to remember that they are a work in progress, that they need Jesus, not just for, you know, back one, one moment, but every single moment moving forward. We need Jesus. Now, some of you here may be thinking, you know, I've never heard this. What do you mean? What is this? You're talking about this is good news, this is gospel, that I, seriously, I can just put my faith in Jesus alone and I can have the assurance of salvation, I can have the assurance of, of, of heaven, be with God forever. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, he says, it says you will be saved. Yeah, but Joe, you just said I'm messed up. Joe, you, you have no idea what I've done. Hey, True. That may be true, but it doesn't matter because I know what God has done. 
but God who is rich in mercy because of the great love that he had for us has made you alive through Jesus. And if this is you this morning, you know, I want to invite you at the end of service to come forward. I would love to pray with you. We've got some men and women that would be up here that would love to pray with you and help you understand the assurance of salvation in Jesus, if that's you. Now, for those of us here that have been Christian, have been a believer, have been a a follower of Jesus for, for some time, here's my fear. My fear is that you may be thinking, oh, Joe, it's great. Love it. Got that gospel stuff, got that faith stuff, that good news, that's awesome. What's next? And here's my fear. If that's what you're thinking, you're missing it. There is no next. We don't go beyond the gospel. We live in the gospel. We don't go beyond the roots of our faith. Jesus is it. The co-pilot doesn't look to the pilot and say, hey, uh, we're about to take off. We should probably... Uh, go through the pre-flight checklist and the pilot does say, ah, I've done that thousands of times before. We're good. Let's just take off. You know, the doctor doesn't think to herself, you know, before I do the surgery, I, I, you know, I've, I've been doing medicine for 30 years. I don't need to review any of that stuff or remember any of that stuff. We're good to go. Let's just grab the scissors and go, right? That's not what the doctor thinks. How much more important is it? Maybe a scalpel, okay? How much more important? This is why I'm a student pastor, not a doctor. How much more important is it for us to come back to the... I can't believe I said scissors. That's awesome. That's pretty awesome. What kind of surgery is Joe doing here? That's awesome. How much more important is it for us as believers to come back to the roots of our faith? Amen? Gosh. I'll tell you. Roots give the tree strength. With weak roots, you not only endanger the fruit, but the entire tree. I love what someone once said, a tree with strong roots laughs at the storms. And when the roots are deep, there's no reason to fear the wind. And church, I know as I look out, as I think of some of the famous in this room, I guarantee there are a lot of people that have gone through some serious storms in their life. Life is hard. I know some families that are going through some serious storms right now. And you need to hear That faith in God is your salvation even now. Faith in God is your salvation even now, even through the storm. So in one aspect, remembering the roots of our faith helps us prepare for the storms in life. But see, I don't want to just be prepared for what can happen to me. I want to be prepared for what God can make happen through me. And so we not only have to remember the root of faithfulness, we have to cultivate the fruit of faithfulness. When you put feet to your faith, that's what faithfulness is. And we have to cultivate that. So let's look at our last point this morning, cultivate the fruit of faithfulness. We're going to look at verse 10 from our Ephesians passage. Just one verse here. Verse 10, look on with me. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Pastor Ryan and I were talking uh, this week, and he was helping me prepare for this morning, and he made a really, really good point. He does that from time to time, amen? He does that 
awesome. Love Pastor Ryan, so grateful for his mentorship, so grateful for his leadership, opportunity to preach. But he was, he was making the point that, you know, a lot of people study Ephesians chapter 2 and they look at verses 8 and 9 and we get, we get hung up on that. We love that. It's awesome. Yes, we are saved by grace through faith alone in Jesus. It's not by works. And then he says what we forget, verse 10, that we are, yes, we are saved by grace through faith, but we are saved to do good works, to work for the Lord, to be faithful servants working for the Lord. And faithfulness doesn't happen by accident. By now you've probably all realized that Megan is, is certainly the better half in our marriage and she's amazing. She likes to garden too. Don't know if you all know that. She likes to garden too. I guarantee some of you like to garden a little bit. Uh, but she has what some would call a green thumb. She, she plants things and they, they, they grow. It's amazing. She, she'll plant cucumbers, uh, tomatoes, lettuce. I think we've had squash in there, beans, a whole, whole bunch of stuff. But the thing about gardening is she doesn't make any of those things grow herself. You know what I'm saying? Like she's not that amazing. All right? She's amazing, but not that amazing, right? But what does she do? She cultivates the soil. She cultivates the garden. How does she do that? She weeds. She pulls weeds out and removes what doesn't need to be there. She waters, not just one day, but just about every day. And she ensures that there's enough sunlight. It's not an accident that veggies just appear in our garden. She doesn't hope, you know, throw some seeds down and hope for the best. It's not an accidental thing that that happens. And like gardening, faithfulness isn't an accidental thing. I love what the, the famous theologian Jonathan Edwards once said. He said, a true and faithful Christian does not make holy living an accidental thing. It is his great concern as the business of the soldier is to fight. So the business of the Christian is to be like Christ. And I love Edwards is equating faithfulness to being Christ-like. Living faithfully leads to good works and is one of the most Christ-like things we can do. And not only enables us to withstand the storms of life, but it enables us to live the most God-glorifying, meaningful life. Faithfulness is faith in action. And I was trying to think this week, you know, if cultivating a garden is like weeding or watering in the sun, what is, what is cultivating faithfulness like? Well, I think it's like obedience, loyalty, and the sun, S-O-N. Faithfulness looks like obedience. My friend and student pastor, Cade Pierce, it was a, I think it was a couple of months ago, we were doing a lead talk here at the church, and he defined faithfulness as long obedience in the same direction. Long obedience in the same direction. It looks like obeying what God is telling you to do, even when it's difficult. Even when you don't feel like it. Not just for one day, but over the long haul. And you know, I gotta be honest, if we're being honest again, I don't think obedience is rocket science. I think most of us know when we are being disobedient to our Father in heaven. And most of us know, hey, this is probably what obedience looks like right now, 
And I just don't know if, I, if I'm either scared to do it or I'm afraid to do it or what's going to happen. But my question for us this morning is, are you living obediently in every area of your life? You want to be a faithful Christian. Are you living obediently in every area of your life? So faithfulness looks like obedience. Faithfulness looks like loyalty. It looks like a love that won't quit. It looks like the golden anniversaries that we celebrated last week and that we celebrate every single month here at Kingsland for a reason. Faithfulness is not a one-time display. It proves itself over and over and over and over and over and over again. Like I said, you don't just water a garden once and call it good and hope for the best and think you're done. No, faithfulness is a lifestyle of loyalty. And so my question is, Christian that wants to be a faithful Christian, are you being loyal to God and to those around you in every area of your life? So faithfulness looks like obedience. It looks like loyalty. Faithfulness, lastly, looks like the son, Jesus. And we've come full circle now, haven't we? The writer of Hebrews, one of my favorite verses in Hebrews, says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of your faith. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of your faith. Not only is he the pioneer, the roots, as you might say, to our faith, but he is the perfecter. This is why we never go beyond the gospel. This is why we never go beyond keeping, this is why we never take our eyes off of Jesus. Because he is our enabler, he is our model, he is our inspiration. And that's my question for us. My last question for us is, who are you looking to for your inspiration on faithfulness? You know, uh, Dr. Steve Jones, I love what he says sometimes at the end of his messages. How's this hitting you? You know, I love that question. And so that's my question. How's this hitting you this morning? I was trying to think of a way to, to end this morning's sermon, you know, maybe to highlight a story of a faithful person that has inspired me for years. I could, I could name a bunch of those. Or maybe I could tell some stories of the faithful people here at Kingsland. There's tons of those that I could tell. Maybe the golden anniversaries, we would highlight those. And, uh, but as I was praying, I felt like the Lord wanted me to, to maybe make one more last kind of thought on faithfulness. You know, it hit me that faithfulness, like, like most endeavors in the Christian walk, you know, it's not easy. Like most endeavors in the Christian walk, faithfulness is going to cost us something. Faithfulness isn't cheap. God's faithfulness cost his, him something on the cross. It cost him his life for us. And you know what, if you, if you want to be a faithful servant of Jesus, it's going to cost you something too. And I read this quote this past week uh, by a pastor and a professor, Fred Cradock. He was talking about uh, the cost of faithfulness over the long haul. And he was addressing some pastors and ministers, but his quote was so good, I think, for us today. And he said, you know, we think being faithful means I'm going to go out in a blaze of glory. Like I'm just going to give my life to Jesus, give him everything right there in a moment. Jesus, take it. It's like we take a $1,000 bill out of our pocket. We throw it on the table. We say, Jesus, that's yours. That's my life. Everything I have, take it, Jesus, I'm yours. But he says for the reality, the reality for most of us is that Jesus says, hey, take that $1,000, take it to the bank, 
and I want you to cash it in for some quarters. And instead of giving your life away in one moment, I want you to, I want you to give it away maybe 25 cents at a time. I want you to give it away maybe 50 cents at a time. I want you to be faithful in the small things. Maybe it's your spouse that you're having a hard season with and you need to work things out. I want you to be faithful there. Maybe the Lord has been placing a ministry on your heart and maybe he wants you to get up and go serve. Maybe it's the preschool or children, students. Maybe it's leading a community group. Jesus, I want you to be faithful in that. Maybe it's going to a nursing home and giving a cold cup of water to a shaky old hand and you're, and you're just spending time with them. Maybe, maybe that's the little faithful thing that the Lord is calling you to do. And he ended his quote he said, usually, giving our life to Christ isn't glorious. It's done in all those little acts of love, 25 cents at a time. It'd be easy to go out in a flash of glory. It's harder to live the Christian life little by little over the long haul. Church, that's faithfulness. That's what faithfulness is. That's why we have to remember the roots of our faithfulness why we have to cultivate it through obedience, loyalty, and keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. Would you join me in prayer? And before I pray, I just want to say, maybe for some of us today, you, you needed to hear that there is a faithful God who loves you and gave his life for you that sent Jesus to take away your sin and to give you the assurance of salvation. If that's you, again, I just want to remind you, please come forward. Love, I would love, our, our people up front would love to pray with you. And maybe there are some here this morning that have accepted the gift of faith, the gift of grace through faith, but you haven't walked in faithfulness, or maybe you've got some obstacle that's in the way, or maybe you need some courage. If that's you, Hey, today is a day of salvation as well. I want to invite you up forward for prayer and for encouragement. Let's pray, God. Thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together in your name. You are, you have a great name, Jesus. You are amazing and awesome, Lord. And I pray that this church, my brothers and sisters, my family, that we would fix our eyes on you the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. That we would know where our faith comes from and that we would, uh, Lord, just live as faithful servants for you. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.